Well, welcome back, dolls. I am just in the middle or at the end of eating probably one of my favorite candies. Is anyone else like a big Twix fan? I have to tell you, I, I get so much enjoyment out of little things in life. Yes, we will get to our topic today in a second. But I mean, can we just slow down for a moment just to recognize, man, like there are some things in life, little things. I always say snacks and meals. We need little things and big things that we need to slow down and be like, that is so good. Like that is so good. And Twix is one of those for me. I don't know what it is. I mean, I can thoroughly enjoy a nice, healthy, like lentil-based, tofu-based meal, but there's also something about balancing it out with a Twix bar that just makes, like, just, I could just kiss whoever just invented those. I mean, I just want to go up to him and be like, do you know what you did? Do you know how much joy you've brought people all over the planet? Because this girl gets so happy and smiles when she gets a little nugget. I don't even need the big ones. I'm just happy with, like, the little... The little nuggets, the little nuggets of Twix. I'm like, oh, like, yes, that just just cheered up my day, just like that little pop of joy right in the in the middle of my day. All right, so on that note, well, actually, I'm going to encourage you. On that note, I'm going to say, what is something in your life that you think, I like that, but do you like it? Do you actually slow down and give yourself 12 or 15 seconds to, like, feel it in your body? Like, when I eat the Twix, I'm, like, all into it. Like, I'm all present. I'm here. I can feel it in my chest. I can feel the sweetness under my jaw. Now, that may seem silly, but what I'm what I'm doing is I'm taking that thing that we say, I like that, and I'm actually letting my body experience the like. So what is it for you? Is it a song? Is it a smell? Is it a, is it a is it a candy? Right? Is it a food? Is it a fragrance? What is it that like, oh, you like it, but we don't stop and slow down long enough just to let it drop into our body and get our let our body experience the like that our head feels, that our that our head picked up on. So just a thought as you start your day. Well, last week I talked about I'm single and I don't want to be. And last week was a layout of here's practical things you could do as you're going throughout your life if you don't want to be on dating apps to make it more, to, to give yourself increase your likelihood of engaging with people and meeting people. So last week was I'm single and I don't want to be. And then the next one, the one we're going to cover it up is the flip of it today, which is, well, I'm not single and it's not working out super well. So if you know of anybody or you or yourself are married, in a relationship, maybe newly into a relationship, and you're, and you're having a hard time, and it's not as easier, it's not all that you thought it, would, it was cut out to be. Those that are married are like, girl girl, like, can we just talk about marriage? And marriage can be hard at times. And you're going to hit seasons where like, you're not as attracted to them as you were maybe initially. And you're going to have seasons that are easier and better and seasons that are harder, right? So today, I'm going to talk about four different things that may help that I believe can help improve at least one of the four improve your relationship, help your relationship. And so we're going to talk about those four today, four things. I'm in a relationship, and it's tough. And that's our, our title for the day. All right. Well, as we get into it on this episode 33, we're looking at four tips. I'm in a relationship and girl, it's rough. Uh, again, I'm not just saying girl, we can include everybody. It's rough for, for everybody involved. So we're going to be looking at four things, four different techniques. Why am I giving you tools? Why am I sharing with you information? Well, partly I'm sharing because if we feel like we have something new we can go back and try, we are hopeful. We are hopeful it always won't look the way it is now. We're hopeful that we'll gain some understanding like, oh my gosh, I mean, my hope and prayer is as you listen to this, you hear something and be like, holy shit that's us or that's me and that's what's going on in our situation it's like somebody read my mind or they they were like peeping in our house or through our windows although 
I, I don't I don't know if I feel comfortable peeping through your windows, although I've seen I've seen a lot on this on this couch and in life um, and with my work. So I've seen some patterns. So I want to be able to uh, to give you four tools that I've used quite frequent frequently when I'm working with clients and with individuals to help improve their relationship. Right? What is it we're usually trying to improve? Usually it's either around communication or connection. Right, So all the four tools that I'm giving you are things that can improve either our connection or our communication. And that's what we're going to, that's what we're basing today's around. Also, just a side note, one of the things I get asked the most on TikTok is, am I taking new clients? And I am not. However, I did put out groups, very excited. I have our first group out this weekend in July, this Sunday, 10 people. I believe it's almost full. I need to double check on that. And the one in August, I believe, is also almost full as well. But the one in August is about understanding my body. This July one is actually about healing, healing from breakup and how do I start dating again? And the one in August is about understanding my body, why my body does what it does, and how I can manage what's going on in my body and learn tools to do that. So if you're interested in either of those, you can check out my stand store. It's underneath any of uh, my platforms. If you go under TikTok or Instagram or YouTube under So My Mom's a Therapist, you'll see my stand store and you can go ahead and sign up for those events. You can also sign up to be the first to be notified of future events. I open those up to those on my mailing list first. So you won't get inundated, but if there's new videos up or new groups up, you will be the first that will be that will be notified. All right, so here we go. We're going to start with I'm I'm not single and girl, it is tough. The first tool I want to teach you is something that's called a track back. What I observed is that with couples that I'm working with, the probably the biggest challenge I see, it's like they're speaking two different languages. You've got one that like what's coming out of their mouth is French and the other one what's coming out is English. And it is like a total full on like push, like like literally like planes like flying past each other it is like completely a miss although i would assume you would want the planes to miss because you don't want them crashing into each other but it is absolutely that far apart where it's just not landing neither of what they're saying is landing and if the person's trying to feel understood or heard they are walking away feeling not understood not heard and their words are falling on deaf ears too and so what we want to work on is that language it really is when somebody's speaking more of a cognitive language right let's just call that we'll call that french we'll call it english since french is more the lovey feely so we'll go with that so if that cognitive language that means one person person will come in with more practical more fix it right? Well, logically, or they'll come in reasoning. And if somebody's speaking French language, that's more the feels. So if you're speaking a logical, fix it, like practical, rational language, that is not landing at all. I mean, you might as well be speaking a language that they cannot hear. Literally, it's like if you're speaking that English language, I'm looking at you being like, I have no idea what you're saying to me. I have no idea. Nothing's getting in. I'm not comprehending it. That's what is happening there. So I want you to ask yourself first, am I speaking English most of the time? Or am I speaking French? Or do I go back on and forth depending on my mood? When I'm calm, I'm speaking English, I'm speaking logically, I'm speaking reasoning. And when I'm upset and passionate, and I'm bumped out of my zone, now I'm speaking more of an emotional language. Oftentimes, our emotions get a bad rap. Everyone feels like that, that the brain, that logical reasoning is like somehow superior because the emotions often can feel like they're a little out of control. And yes, we do need to get reins on, their, on our emotions. But dolls, emotions are not weak. 
And emotions are not bad. And somehow we've demonized emotions as fickle or silly or almost sometimes cut them off from our body. Yeah, if people have been grew up in certain homes, in certain environments, it will literally feel as if somebody has taken scissors and like severed their emotions from their brain. So this sense of being able to feel into something or have emotions is, is seen as less than or weak. Than, than what our brain can do, the, cogn- the cognitions, the cognitive, the reasoning, logical, rational side. And our goal, side note, which we're not covering today, but our goal is to create a relationship between the brain and the body, to mend that relationship so that brain can tap in to say, how we doing here in this body? How you doing? You're not doing so good. What do I need to do to take care of you? Wait, hold on. I can see you're freaking out and panicking. Let's help get you calm. So we want to mend. I mean, if anything, I think need, people need to go to counseling more so than their marriage is for their relationship and self between brain and body. That I think we need to make a movement. We need to make a movement on on that. All right. So one of the other things that, uh, so one, let's go back to that miss. So with a couple, when there is a miss, right, and that they're not hearing each other, they go round and round. Usually by the time they come to me, it is years of a pain cycle. What do I mean by a pain cycle? Somebody gets triggered. Either usually it has to do with identity or safety. And when they don't feel heard or they don't feel seen or they don't feel safe, then boom, it it bumps them into a reaction, usually either a fight or flight response, and then round and round they go. And they've done that dance for a long time. So one of the techniques that I want you to start with is called a track back. You may have heard me talk about it before, but I would encourage you to use this frequently and build it like you were a new muscle, right? What does a track back do? It tries to get in front of the big full-blown cycles, pain cycles that we can do. By the way, that pain cycle I mentioned is called restoration therapy. It's used as a pain cycle and a peace cycle, and I use that often in, in the office as well. Um, but what, when we're doing a track back, here's what I want you to do. Track back isn't attacking. Track back is taking an event and tracking it back in my body. And what it does is it gives me a voice. Why is that so important? Because if I don't start to give myself a voice, then my body is just going to react. My body's just going to leak out, right? So if somebody says something to you in a snide comment that made you feel belittled or put down, if you don't address that, your body will respond right back. It'll go into that pain, that pain cycle and it will react out and you're going to shoot right back at them or you're going to shut down. So what I'm trying to do is get in front of that pain cycle by doing a track back and it sounds something like this. Let's say your partner walked in and you said, hey, did you pick up my dry cleaning? And for some reason that upset them, they rolled their eyes. They made that voice and they're like, yes, for the 15th time I did, right? So let's just go with that example. They say that and all of a sudden their tone trips something in your body and around you go. Now, so what a track back does is it takes the event and I track it back into my body and I say something like this. Before everybody's, nobody's, nobody's lashing out, nobody's heated. If you're already bumped out of your zone, this won't work, right? So we got to do it while it's still in zone. This is where the volcano's rumbling, it has potential to boil, and so we want to try to get in front of it. Again, if I make this sound easy, it is not. It is one of those things that takes a lot of work. But what I want to start doing is start keeping a pulse on on body sensations I have. So if they do something and you can feel like, oh, I felt that. It's like a sucker punch in my gut. Or, oh, I felt like my, ti- my, t- my chest tighten. I want you to start by paying attention to different feels that you have in your body. And then I do a track back. I do something like this. See, when you walk in the room and you sigh like that, there's the event. I take the event. It makes me feel like I'm not important to you or it makes me feel like you're putting me down and it doesn't feel super great. So, and I say, I'm not attacking you. I'm just letting you know what you can't see. 
So I take the event and I track it back to a sensation in my body. Because remember, they are not mind readers. People are not mind readers, right? So someone may say something like, even even with what they said, if they said something that was hurtful, right? Oh, well, you're not my type, right? Okay, well, let me let me explain to you what you couldn't see. When you say a comment like you're not my type and you say it like that, it makes it feel really awful in my body or I actually can feel it in my gut and it doesn't feel super great. So I track it from the event into my body. What I can do from there is I can just simply say, you know, this doesn't feel good and I don't think that would ever feel good. Right. I can also I can often say to them, would you like to try that again or do you want to try saying that differently? Right. I just had a friend recently who was relaying the story to me. They were going to meet their boyfriend. They were going over to a bunch of friends house. She had told her boyfriend that she was wearing a sundress and and and, and that she was going to wear a sundress to the event. She goes over to his house. She walks in the front door. She's all dolled up. And this friend of mine, oh, she's a doll. She's super cutie. And she's beautiful. And she walked in. And the first thing her boyfriend said is, oh, you're not wearing the sundress. <laughs> Can you feel that? <laughs> like, even as she related to me, me and the girls were like, oh, oh, oh. Like, oh, no. Of course, one's like, oh, no, hell, he, oh, no. hell no, he didn't do that, right? Like, we're, like we're, all, we're all feeling it, right? But this friend, we had had these conversations before, and this friend didn't take it personally because she knew she looked hot. She's like, I knew I looked hot. But what she did is she's like, ooh, I'm going to take a deep breath. She walked into the house. She explained to him, well, one of my kids took the razor. I didn't have a razor. I didn't have shaven. My legs are not shaved, so it jeans it is. There's no sundress today because trust me, you don't want me wearing a, sun- a sundress. <laughs> Welcome to having teenagers. <laughs> Who took the razors in the house? There's not a razor around and we're not using a knife (laughs) to shave our legs. (laughs) But then she came back around and she said this, you know, when you made that comment about a sundress or when you made a comment, you didn't even mention how I looked. It didn't make me feel super great inside. I'm, I'm wondering next time if you could say like, wow, baby, you look really good before you ask about the sundress. So she offered an alternative. So she, so the other thing you do a track back, take the event track it back. It's okay to say something doesn't feel great in your body or to say, I don't think it ever will feel good or that's hurtful. I can say those things. Why is that important to do? If you don't do that, because some of us are like, I would never, I wouldn't say that to my partner. But let me tell you, doll, if you don't say that, you know what ends up happening? That feeling lives in your body. And because it's lived in your body, it's like trapped in here like a cage and it gets bigger and bigger and it grows and grows. And you walk in their house in your jeans and not a sundress. And you're like, that feeling is like that motherfucker. Like it's building, it's building until it is like leaking out of you and see you're seething, maybe foaming a little bit at the mouth, right? So the choice is we either start to learn how to step in and be a parent to our body, to our feelings, and be able to give it a voice and advocate for it. Because when you say something like that, hey, when you, when I walk in and you don't even mention the way I look, like it doesn't feel super great. There's a part in your body, literally this little kid part of you that's looking it up, up at you being like, thank you. Thank you for explaining what's going on in here. So I want you to think like you have a little trapped kid inside of your body and it's your job to be the voice to advocate for them. Now, sometimes we may need to be like, okay, hold on, calm down. Let's calm down. Let's have a talk. That doesn't mean I say everything my body's feeling, but I need to be able to develop that relationship with my body so I can advocate for it. And when I do, I do a track back. When you do this, this is how it feels in my body. I'm not attacking you. I'm letting you know what's going on, right? And then I can offer an alternative. I can just simply say it doesn't feel good or that's hurtful. Or I can say, you know, next time, could you do this instead? Can we put it this way instead? That would probably sit better. And I offer an alternative, right? Now, you may say, if I did a track back, I'm going to get shot down so fast by the other person. And I would say, I get it. 
I get it, doll. You can't control what's on the other side. But here's what you can control. You can control advocating for yourself. Our end goal is so that when I listen to he- when I listen and hear myself, stand up for myself, protect myself, explain what's going on inside of my body, there is part of me that is like, we like hearing ourselves and we like how you stood up for me. And is that enough? Oh, that's what we're going for. I can't control what they do. If I think I'm going to say something like that and I'm going to get some backlash or I'm going to get a defensiveness, remember, our goal isn't to change them. I don't have control over them. But I do have control advocating for myself and setting boundaries. And that's what we're learning how to do here. Right? Now, if somebody comes back and they hit you and they're defensive and they shoot back with something, I actually do what's called a validating loop. I'm going to mention this. I'll go into it on another episode. But a validating loop says I validate. I understand. I get that. I validate. Why? Because you can't fight back when someone agrees with you. (laughs) This is like one of my magic tools that I, I whip out that I absolutely love. Validating loop. I get that. I hear you. And then I loop it back. So I validate what they said. Totally get it. I hear you. However, here's the loop. However, and then I, I put it on repeat again. So if they came back and were like, that's not my problem. You said you were wearing a, a, you were wearing a sundress. Totally get it. I hear you. There's the validating. And now here's the loop. However, when I walk in and you don't even mention the way I look, it just doesn't feel good and it never would. I'm wondering next time if you could say this instead, right? And I can do that. I mean, I, I'm almost like, bring it on. I can, get, I can hit a validating loop 101 times. You try me right? Why? Because I, that, that gets me from being able to get away from the issue. You can't circumvent. You can't run down a rabbit hole. You can't go anywhere if I'm doing a validating loop. I understand. And loop back around. This is still the issue we have. I understand. I get it. Loop back around. And this is still the issue we have. Okay? Um, you know, <laughs> side note before I move on to the next one, the, the one time that I went in to uh, one of my kiddos' school to advocate for them. It was a, a, a teacher who was a high-level math teacher. And what that teacher didn't know is I used to teach high school high-level math. And so one of my kids was in a pre-calc class, and the teacher wasn't teaching the material. And I was sitting down and doing it with them. And there was even one problem I couldn't figure out. And I said, go ask your teacher this one. I don't, I don't know. I, I can't figure this problem out. So they went back and they asked the teacher. And the teacher, not only could they not answer it, but they put it on the freaking test, right? And so it was over and over again of this teacher just not not teaching at all. And, you know, I even looked at the one of the exams and I'm like, this wasn't even in the chapter, right? And so I went in um, with with my child in to see the teacher and the math department head with the goal of saying, hey, we just, this is a high, high level math class. Can we get, we want them in another class. And, you know, and so I explained and I said, you know, I'm, I'm having some hard time with some of these problems. Can you help me understand? And she said, well, your child, do you know your child gets up and goes to the bathroom during class? And I said, yeah, I could see that validating. And I said, however, we, we're still having a problem with this math problem. Yeah, but do you know Do you know how many times your child gets up and leaves during class? And I said, yeah, I get that. I understand. And I will address that with my child. But And then I put a validating loop. And I was like, but, but we still got a problem with this, right? And we did it probably 50 times. And, the, and afterwards, the math department head was like, was like I have to tell you, that was the most that was the most entertaining thing I've seen all month. <laughs> and she's like, it wasn't until right at the end that you said, well, here's the deal. I used to teach this class. I know what should be in this class. And I'm really not okay with this. And we want out. And and she was like, I pulled out popcorn. I was ready to pull out the popcorn. <laughs> but it was but there's something that's that we love when we feel like, ah, this is what we're addressing and we're not getting away with it. Long story. But I got to tell you as a parent, as a mama, that was one of my high points. There's certain things as a mama, when you watch yourself go, you're like, look at me go. Like, I am a badass. And that that was one of those when I took on the high school math teacher. <laughs> All right. So number one, track back. 
Number two is about regulating your body, regulating your body, not losing your calm. Now, I'm not saying never, don't ever get upset, right? Sometimes though, I want to be very careful. When somebody shuts down, somehow they're seen as they have more control than somebody who loses their shit. And that's not necessarily true. That just means you bump out low and the other person bumps out high. We tend to excuse me, we tend to praise that more just because what you can shut down and numb out that all of a sudden you look like you're more controlled than somebody that bumps high. That's not the case. You both bump out of your zone. Everybody bumps out of their zone. Adults, if you are who if you are human, you are bumping out of your zone. So when I see all those videos on TikTok about people's red flags, well, guess what? If you're living and breathing, you have red flags too. Why? Because you bump out of your zone just like everybody else bumps out of your zone. What you do and how you get yourself back into your zone, ah, that you have control over, right? Do you, do you drink endlessly or do you go for a run, right? And again, I'm not making drinking all bad, but that's more questionable resources. Is it something that hurts us that we do to get back in our zone or is it something that's helpful, right? We're looking for things that are not destructive or causing us more harm as we're working on getting back into our zone, right? So what's important in a relationship is regulating our body. So what does that look like? What does it mean to regulate our body? Well, often what happens when I was talking about that pain cycle in the beginning, that pain cycle of like they get upset and their upset bumps you out. Now, sometimes the upset is pointed at you, like their fire hydrant is going off and that fire hydrant is pointed at you. If somebody's upset is pointed at you, you can't help them. Even if they're, even if it's not something you had anything to do with, like they're just mad, but they're mad is pointed at you. One of the things that I'll have couples come in and say is, oh, don't, don't point your fire, fire hydrant at me. If you point it at me, I can't help you, right? So I want you to pay attention to whose fire hydrant is going off and where are they pointing it, right? So that's one thing to pay attention to. One, come in, come in with some language that says, I'm on your team. I'm always looking at team language, team language. How are we a team, right? Think about a baseball team. A baseball team has different players with different skill sets, and they back each other up, and they communicate. Okay, I've got you. If the ball's coming to you, I'm going to run behind you, right? The pitcher has a different skill than the first baseman. They have, they're built different. They have different skills. In a relationship, we need to leave space for people that have different strengths than us and different weaknesses than us. We do not want an entire team of pitchers right? Well, unless it's maybe a cute picture, then maybe okay. <laughs> I don't know. Does anybody else feel like baseball players are getting younger these days? I'm like, why do they all look like babies? I'm like, no, you have not been this old all along because now you're looking like babies. Like I could be your mama. Like that's just weird, right? Okay, side note. But my point being is we want to be a team. What does a team do? They cheer each other on. They root each other, right? They communicate. They're saying, hey, are you good with this? I'm going to go this way. Hey, when the ball comes this way, what do you think about me going this way? That's team language. Not one person thinks they're better than everybody else. They are a team, meaning we do not function well unless we can acknowledge we all come with our strengths. We all add to the team. That's how we want to approach a relationship. So when I'm talking about regulating my body, one of the things we want to pay attention to is if somebody's frustration or anger, if their fire hydrant is open and it's shooting at us, we cannot help them. Why? Because our natural nervous system and body's instinct is if water's shooting at us, we have to protect and defend ourselves. So it will trip a survival mode. So if somebody starts getting frustrated at you just because they had a bad day, that's where we want to come in and be like, whoa, point your, let's let, put your, point your fire hydrant somewhere else. And I use language like that. I don't use like, hey, stop coming at me. Like that's just going to aggravate somebody more. So come up with like visuals. The one thing I hear a lot is I use a lot of pictures. I do. Why? They stick with us, but they're also, they're disarming. 
If I say, oh, don't point your fire hydrant at me, point it that way, right? I have a, it's disarming. I'm not going after them, but I'm giving them a visual of what needs to happen. So come up with your own language. Come up with your own visuals of being like, whoa, I'm here to help. I can't help if you're pointing it at me. I'm on your team. I can't help you if you're pointing in on me. So I'll use that kind of language. I'll even move my body language. If you're watching the video on YouTube, I'll move my body language aside, literally outside of the view to create that visual of like, don't point it at me. I can't help you. I can't help you problem solve or I can't be here and listen to you if you're pointing it at me. Okay. The other thing that often happens is that you'll have a couple where one is extremely reactionary. It's not bad, but what can often happen is if one person gets upset, the other person hasn't learned how to be grounded in their own emotions. So the, the partner's mad triggers their upset. It's almost like if this person has a volcano going off, the partner so let's say let's say the let's say you get really upset and you're really upset something happened at work it was totally wrong you're frustrated you are like really getting aggravated maybe you're driving a little bit faster I'm not advocating for that but let's just say you're really frustrated and you're you're rattled and when you're bumped out of your zone and you're rattled it it triggers your partner to have a reactionary rattled so now instead of having a partner that is supporting you in you being rattled now remember it's not their job we want we want to we want to self-regulate and co-regulate. We want to do both of those, self-regulate and co-regulate, right? And I'm going to touch again on that at the end. But when you get upset, if that if that sends your partner off, now all of a sudden you're upset, gets them making feel like they've now are in an, in an earthquake too, then their your upset will trigger their upset, which means your upset gets hijacked because then they're now mad that you are mad and now you have to tend to their mad. Did I lose you? I'm going to say it again because this happens a lot in relations. If one person is is not solid and people are not solid and grounded, which is like you can be upset, you can be mad, you can go up, down, right, or left, and I can stand here and care for you and tend to you, but, but just because you're upset does not mean I'm upset. We need that groundedness in a partner. If not, you will never feel like your partner is there to support you or care for you because every time you're bumped out of your zone or you're tense or you're driving a little fast, that ups- that shatters their nervous system and that's a trauma response and then they get upset and because they're upset now really when you're like, wait a minute, I'm the one that should be, ten- be you should be tending to because I was originally upset, your upset gets hijacked and now you end up having to tend to them because now they're mad, right? Does that sound familiar to anybody? Does that sound familiar? This is one of those, I have a feeling somebody's like, holy shit, you just like completely described what goes on. So I never feel like I have somebody tending to because there's not there's not space for my mad. I gotta be able to be upset and be mad and bump out of my zone. No, that doesn't mean I my fire hydrant shoots at the other person, but I have to be able to be upset and frustrated and mad without you hijacking it because now your body feels completely unstable as if the floor underneath you is now shaking because I have to be able to be mad and you to be solid. And there's going to be times you get bumped out of your zone and I got to be solid for you. And that's one of the things that you can go to therapy to work on is this sense of like recognizing I'm losing being able to have a supportive partner because their floor is always rocky. Their floor is not solid. There's not roots that go, they're not roots in the ground. So that if anything starts to feel like it's shaking my world, I don't have roots that are grounded. It makes it feel like my whole tree's flying around, right? We got to be able to grow roots down deep inside. Okay, so one is being able to regulate my body and and recognizing, do I have a partner that has to learn how to regulate their body? And maybe that's something we may need some professional help with. 
right? Now, another thing that's important with regulating our bodies is we can get into such a conflict with our partner. We can get in such a fight with our partner, our partner that we are in a traffic jam. Imagine those movies. I always feel like in somewhere in a romantic comedy, there is like a traffic jam in the middle of a square, in the middle of an intersection. It's something like that. So we want to imagine that. And I want you to start to pay attention when you guys are at gridlock. You are in a traffic jam in the middle of an intersection. Somebody, one of the people needs to be able to say, you know what? We need to back our cars out, we need to cool down, and then we need to come in and try again. So there has to be a point where we say to each other, where somebody says, again, you can come up with a name, you can come up with like, I need a chocolate break, right? Or like, come up with a name, come up with something silly, something neutral that's not going to trigger anybody, that is your words to be like, okay, like everybody in their corners, boxing round over, and that means we need to back out, we need to breathe, and then we need to come back in again. Now, what's important here is some elements. One is that it needs to be communicated that we'll come back around. If you do not come back in again, then what, somebody's going to get tripped on an abandonment. And the person who has more of a flight response is like, peace out, I'm out. And they have no plans of getting back in the boxing ring. <laughs> They're like, I'm done. I'm out. That's very, very dysregulating to the other, pe- the other person's body, especially if they have more of an anxious attachment. So you piecing out literally sets their body on fire, like literally makes them go berserko right? Yes, it's been brought to my attention. I see. I say literally a lot, but if you work with teenagers and 20-somethings as much as I do in my personal life, in my work life, then you will understand that is just there. And that is just part of, that is part of my vocabulary. And we are so okay with that. But we want to be aware to say, okay, we got to be able to back out. I got to be able to take a deep breath. If, if separating from the person is so hard on your body and you have that anxious attachment style, that's where I would say, I got to go for a run or I've got to do something because sitting here and waiting, your body's going to feel like it's on fire, right? On fire. I'm not exaggerating. If your anxious attachment and the other person pulls back or you're taking a break, your body will feel like you have to fix this in the moment or you are going to lose them literally lose them. See, there's the L word just for you. I think I just need to develop the L word. We're just going to call it the L word. So being able to say to each other, let's just take a break. We're going to come back around. I would encourage the person who's more avoidant to come back around and say like, we will settle this. We're going to talk through it. I just got to be able to get some space. We got to be able to back out of the traffic jam, take some breathers, go regulate your body, go watch a show, go for a run, go grab a Go grab something cool to drink, right? Something to get our our, our nervous system back down into a, a parasympathetic state and then come in and try again, right? That is very hard to do when you have that anxious attachment style. And that is, again, something that we can work on, that we can grow in, but very, very uncomfortable. All right. So number one, track back, taking that event, tracking it into our body, advocating for ourselves. Number two, learning how to regulate our body, build in those resources, know when we need to take a break from each other and come back in because we're not going to do any good. And if anything, we just do harm when we are just stuck in a gridlock. Side note, when I'm working with couples who have a lot of conflict, number I'm not big on rules. I'm not really a rule person. Shocker. Second child was like, if, tell me where the rule is so I just know what not to do. Well, I'll go the other way. But I do have one rule, and that is no personal attacks. When you are making attacks in your states of conflict about the person, personal attacks, those don't go away. That's like sticking a knife inside of them, and that doesn't, that stays. That stays. Those deep wounds that go inside, when you make personal attacks about who a person is, their character, them as a person, that is, that is, that is destructive of a relationship, and it will undermine the relationship. Those are really hard to repair, really hard to repair. Okay, number one, track back. Number two, regulating our body. Number three is this solid sense of self. Who holds your identity and your worth? 
Who does? We need to stop and examine this. Who holds your identity and worth, right? If, if my identity and worth and my being lovable is in somebody else's hands, then it is on a roller coaster, right? If somebody else gets to determine if I'm lovable, if I'm worthy, if I have value, then it will always be tumultuous because if they are looking at me highly, then I feel good and my confidence is high. If we're on a downswing and I, they're not treating me very well or I, they're treating me like shit and all of a sudden I feel like crummy about myself or let's say they've even withdrawn. I'm in a relationship and I feel like they're pulling back or they've withdrawn. And if my identity is tied to my relationship, then it will send us up, 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 but it will also send us down. And what I want to work on here is a skill called individuation. Individuation is a skill that says that I can, I can care for you, I can love you, and I'm individuated at the same time. That's different than enmeshment. Enmeshment as if, is as if they, your partner is a kang, kangaroo and you just crawled up in that pouch with them, right? So if they hop, you hop. If they're good, you're good. If they've got food, you've got food, right? So in enmeshed relationship, <coughs> excuse me, it can also be called a symbiotic relationship. A symbiotic relationship, symbio symbiosis, stick with me for a little bit of a little science piece. A symbiosis is when the cells start to split. Let's say you have a splitting of cells. Like let's say a sperm goes into an egg or into, into a cell, right, into an egg, and then it starts to, it starts to divide. Symbiosis is when, you when they divide, but right before they divide, they, they are still connected. So it's almost like an umbilical cord between two cells, a cell that's divided. And often we can have that enmeshed relationship between our partner. It's almost like we have an umbil umbilical cord between us. Like, I can't breathe if they're not with me. I can't breathe if I don't know we're okay. Again, there's that, like you've crawled in their kangaroo pouch and you're, you're all snuggled up with them. And, and often we think, oh, isn't that loving and romantic? No, you can't breathe. No, we got to be able to breathe. Individuation says I'm caring, I'm loving, I'm here for you. And at the same time, my identity, worth and my value are not connected to you. Those stand on their own. And I can decide if something doesn't fit my relationship. I can ask myself, do I want to do something or do I want to say something? But the one thing that you don't get to decide is if I am lovable and if I have value and worth that is solely for me to tend to. I just had to let it be silent there. I want that one to sink in. Because oftentimes, dolls, you may be somebody who's been in a relationship for so long that you forgot that, that you forgot that you have an identity outside this person. And while you are their wife or you are their husband, you are also your own person. You are also your own human that is worthy to be loved and worthy to be treated well and worthy to be respected. And sometimes we lost that and sometimes we've forgotten that it is that parent, that internal parent in us that after we leave our parents' house, that is up for us to grow this muscle who can step in and be both a nurturing and protective parent who can guard our heart to say, I'm not putting up with that shit anymore. That is not okay for you to treat me that way. Right? I don't know why. I think this is part of getting older, but that part of me that I've built inside of myself that loves to protect myself, the times that I protect myself and the times I stand up and protect myself, and oftentimes it's very calm words. It'll say something like, I am so not okay with you treating me that way. I don't know what it is about hearing my voice say that, but there's this scene. I think it's at the end of Miss Congeniality 1. I'm thinking it's Miss Congeniality 1. I'm not sure where Sandra Bullock is walking away and like, I don't know if there's like fire in the background or something going off in the background, but she's got this like strut walking away. And I think there's flames going in the background. Don't quote me. But in my visual, whenever I stand up for myself, I see myself lighting a match, blowing shit on fire and just like doing the slow walk away from it. I don't know what it is about that. But every time I'm like, 
I am so not good with that. I am like, yes, girl, drop that match, blow that shit up, and you walk out of there. And it is the best feeling in my body. Did it happen overnight? No, it's a muscle. Muscles take time to grow. One, where are you getting that? So number three, where are you getting that solid self? How in a relationship do I hold on to myself and at the same time connect with my partner? The visual I like to use there, and I'm going to wrap this up before I get to my last point. The visual I like to use there, and I've used this before, is if you have two people that are standing opposite each other, and I'll have the couples do this in my room, if they're standing next to each other, right, and they're standing across from each other, and I'll have the couple stand across from each other, and I'll have them look at each other and put their sh- reach their arms out and put their hands on each other's shoulders, and I might have shared this before, but if you are hearing this again, sometimes we need a reminder. And I'll say, okay, you're now reaching across. Are you looking at your partner's eyes? And they will say yes. And I'll say, okay, now walk your, put your arm, put your hands on each other's shoulders and walk your feet out. And now I say, now, what happens if your partner falls? And then they say, well, then we both fall. And I say to the other one, what happens if your partner falls? And they say, I fall too, right? And I say, okay, now walk your feet back now underneath you. So now your feet are solidly underneath you. You're perpendicular to the floor. See, math teacher leaks out. The dorkiness leaks out. (laughs) Side note, (laughs) When one of my kiddos was in kindergarten, kindergarten, the teacher pulled me in and I was like, oh, is she, are, are, we, are we having problems in class? And the teacher was like, no, no, you just keep cutting their sandwich in all these shapes like a trapezoid and parallelogram and then pinning on the name of the object. And we're afraid they're going to get made fun of. So can you, can you maybe cut it out on the geometric shapes or at least the labels until they get a little bit older? <laughs> Oh, dork. Dork in disguise. Love it. All right. So parallel to the ground. Now, I would say to a partner as they're standing like that with their feet underneath them, if your partner falls down, what happens to you? And they said, nothing. I'm still standing. I said, exactly. That is what we're going for in a relationship. That is what that is what a solid self is. It says, I care for you. I love you. If you go down, I do not go down with you. I can say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you're having a hard time. I'm here to support you. But even if you're not doing okay, I am still on solid ground. And that is what individuation is. If you are leaning on somebody, by the way, somebody else can totally feel it. I want to ask you right now, are you leaning on your partner? Do you find yourself leaning forward or do you feel like your partner is leaning on you? By the way, if somebody's leaning on you, the natural inclination is you feel like you need space. It feels smothering. So I want to take a step back. And when you step back, the person leaning on you panics even more. Why? Because you're moving further back. Are your feet underneath your ground, underneath the ground? Are there, are your feet underneath you? I'm like shaking the video. I'm getting all passionate over here. (laughs) Are your feet underneath you? So that if my partner disappears, I can be able to say, oh, that doesn't feel super great. And then I turn into myself and say, how do we want to handle this? What do I want to say? What do I want to do? All right. Or am I leaning on my partner so that if they disappear, all of a sudden, my body feels the panic too. (coughs) My body feels the panic too. Okay. And what does it feel like? Have I ever been in a relationship where I felt a solidness underneath me? One of the things I'll say to my partners all the time, my clients all the time, I will say, you know, I'm very fond of marriage. I'm very fond of both of you. But what's more important to me than that is that whether they are in your life or not, you are okay. Whether things work out or not, because sometimes people come to me and I mean, it's ragged. I mean, it's like that 90 blanket that's all like shredded to pieces and it's growing stuff. I mean, by the time sometimes they like walk in here, it's like it's just been years and years. And while I have seen amazing relationships heal, I'm more interested in whether they are in your life or not. How is it calm and pleasant and solid in your body? And do you feel like you have value and you are loved? All right, last point. Last point. 
Number one, or number four, in a relationship, it is really important that you self-regulate and co-regulate. If you only self-regulate or tend to yourself, then you're robbing your partner from showing up and being supportive, and you're robbing them from being needed in a relationship. It is not needy to have needs, and it's okay to have to have parts of you and needs for your partner to fill. Why? Because it allows them to have feel like they have value. Right there's so, it feels wonderful. It's okay to feel like you're bringing value to somebody. It's okay for you to do something and feel appreciated by your partner. And if you don't give them anything to do, then how are they supposed to show up and feel like they're contributing to the relationship and contributing to your life and making things better in your life if you don't ever need them? Do we ever think about that? On the flip side, if you don't ever learn how to self-regulate, self-support, then I'm completely reliant on my partner, and I'm not. That's not. I'm co-regulating, but I'm never self-regulating. And if if you, I only can co-regulate and it's your responsibility to make my life good, then I will blame you and I'll point my finger at you that you are the reason why my life is so miserable. And if you would just do X, Y, and Z, then I would be happy. And guess what? By the way, if you did X, Y, and Z, the minute you did X, Y, and Z, your partner would look at that and be like, nope, that's not where X is. X is over here. And it all, it keeps moving. So that I'm never happy and it's always your fault. That is That's co-regulating, solely co-regulating. So we need to find a balance of how do I self-regulate? What are ways I can tend to myself? Can I go for a walk? Can I go vent to a friend? Do I need to go for a run? Do I need to journal? I always say that. Even as I say that, I always add, I'm not a journaler. That is just my body's like, nope. So internally, even as I say that to you, I'm like, no, thank you. No, no, thank you. I don't want to journal. <laughs> Not my thing. I did years of journaling. <laughs> right. And then how do I co-regulate? Can I ask my partner for a hug? Have you ever thought of just asking your partner, you're having a rough day, you're having a hard time, even if it's, some of it's from them, could I even ask them for a hug? Would that be helpful? Would, put, be, would be putting a blanket over me? Would that be a self-regulating? right? How do I show up for my, can I say to my partner, I just need to vent for a minute. I don't want instructions. I don't want solving any problems. I just want to be able to vent, right? And, and, and asking them just to mirror back, just emotion. No, no, you can even say French, not English. And I have clients use that language as well, like we used in the beginning. I just want you, I want you to hear my emotion. Don't problem solve. Don't get up into English. I don't want English today. I just want French. Maybe even a, make, a French makeout session at the end, something like that. Okay, well, I've got to I've got to wrap it up. I actually wanted to talk way longer about this, but believe it or not, I do have a client here. So that's it. I'm in a relationship, and girl, it is rough. There's your four tools, four things you can try if you have a chance. Go on, rate, review, subscribe. If anybody came to mind as you were talking about this, feel free to pass it on to them. As always, check out my stand store. I've got free video up on how never to get ghosted. I have a video up. It's about the price of a Starbucks on three toxic traits that we do that sabotage our dating life, and those groups are up. I'm excited to get to spend time with you, listen to you guys, and be able to give you more information. As always, be kind, be quick to love, and be slow to judge. Until next time. Bye. Bye.